Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. There's a general theme that I want to start this episode off with that is a phenomenon that has occurred within the last 10 plus years, I would say. Certainly around the time of Donald Trump and, and during his first administration. Of course, he's still legally the president of the United States, but that's another matter for another time. And it has to do with these conservative platforms or tours, we'll call them, where a conservative commentator or analyst or public speaker or what have you will stand on a stage behind a lectern, they'll give a lecture, and then they'll have a Q&A session in many cases where a liberal will, will get up and, uh, and, and attempt to challenge them. On, on one of their ideas or a comment that they made or whatever. And, and again, the, the people that have typically done this, again, Milo Yiannopoulos was, was one of the first people to do this with regularity. Ben Shapiro has, has done it with regularity. Michael Knowles, a lot of those Daily Wire people, Candace Owens, and uh, Charlie Kirk in particular as well. There, there's a thing that goes on with all of that. While it can be educational and even sad and funny at the same time, and of course loaded with sarcasm. The overarching theme, I think, is that I'm not sure how productive it is for the very individual who is brainwashed. And again, we're talking about that very liberal who walks up to the microphone and asks a question and says, I don't know. I mean, you, you can almost pick any topic you want. Um, there's clearly a lot of sexual perversion in the news these days and the sexual perversion that, that is going on within schools. And it's always been there, I might add. It's just seeing more of, of daylight now. And more, more people have eyes on it. More people are paying attention to it now than ever before. Um, but that very format, I'll call it, again, is, is not necessarily new. This is something that actually stretches back to the days of the daytime talk shows and daytime talk show hosts. And, and when I thought about this, because I was watching a recent Charlie Kirk Turning Point USA thing, and again, I'm not, I'm not a fan of his, really. He's one of those individuals who I've, I've criticized on the podcast before, but he came out of nowhere. He had no qualifications, nothing. It was evident that he has a handler. Somebody's handling him in some way. Someone is funding him. I'm not sure who. Uh, but he's, he's, he's just, he's very, I mean, he's knowledgeable on subjects, but he's very sarcastic. He's very uh, abrasive, and he's, and he's just mean to these individuals who are asking a legitimate question, but you have to always keep in mind that these people that are asking these questions are brainwashed to the bone. So he's making fun of them for not being able to see the thing that they cannot see. And I'm certain that I've done the exact same thing on this podcast, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, throwing stones in a glass house here, but what I am saying is, is that one of the things that is just continuing to hit me is is that that kind of platform is it doesn't seem very productive certainly for me anyway um it was something that i used to watch from time to time but never camped out over it and and, and watched a ton of a ton of footage related to it um uh, but but again it dates back to the daytime talk show hosts like donahue if anybody remembers donahue phil donahue uh, you know, he was he he his show basically did that to some extent. He would ask questions of of the guests that he would have on. The guest would make comments and answer his questions, and then there might be some sneers or snickers in the audience. But then the second half, uh, or certainly the last twenty five percent of the show, would always boil down to questions from the audience and then comments from from whatever guest he had on. And there were times, again, when the guest would, would say things back to the audience member and criticize them for what they were saying or what they were thinking or what they believed. And again, I'm not saying that that's completely unproductive. You're, you're challenging the individual who, who claims to be right and, and have it all figured out uh, you know, with whoever the guest is and, and their particular perspective. But I, I just remember thinking 
that his show was a perfect example of of how that would sort of start to take place. But now these, I would call them one man bands, you know, where one individual gets up on stage, they host themselves, and then again they they give a speech, and then they take Q and A. Uh, from individuals, and again, if the if the if the leftist feels like they want to come up to the microphone and uh, you know attempt to criticize the speaker in some way, the speaker criticizes them right back, and it just becomes this giant debate with a brainwashed person. That's that's I guess my my overall statement, and I'm not sure that that works. I just don't know how productive that is, and and how long such a thing could be productive because even Charlie Kirk still does that to this day. The, we're talking about seriously deranged people. I mean, they, they aren't reading, they aren't listening, and they don't want to believe for a moment that they have been wrong about so many things their entire life, let alone the ground that they walk on. I mean, you know, there are countless individuals, again, who believe that we live on a spinning ball. We don't live on a spinning ball. And this is easily provable with basic math and basic observation. But it's one of these things, again, where if you can lie to someone about where they live, you can lie to somebody about anything. And and we're all born into this matrix. The only thing that, again, pulls us out is our own intuition, our own curiosity, hopefully the families that we're raised in, and them being and and behaving the same way and being curious and observing and asking questions and thinking, and then of course teaching people to think and think for themselves and so on and so forth. And I think also that most of this is rooted in the basic fact that the vast majority of human beings don't like being lied to. They just don't like being lied to, and they they don't want to believe because, again, coming to this knowledge base of, of understanding that we've all been lied to about a great and many things is very difficult for a lot of people to grasp. And the people that are walking up to these microphones at these conservative events, again, who tend to lean left um, and, and ask a question or criticize the speaker again for something that they've said, they can't they can't. They don't know that they've been lied to, is what I'm saying. They have no idea. They are simply repeating what they've heard, repeating what they have been told. And they have not engaged in any kind of an investigation on their own, let alone a historic investigation. So, I mean, me personally, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying I'm turning over a new leaf, so to speak, but I'm certainly examining this, I think, from a from a different perspective these days and i i i mean in all honesty i feel i feel bad for them i really do i i feel i just feel bad for them i feel that if i was in a position like charlie kirk which i i would never do this you know sort of go on some road show and uh get on stage and give a speech and then take take questions or you know take questions or answers or whatever it's just not something i would ever do but what i would what i would not do is is what they do which again is sort of this mocking and ridiculing and and, and sort of that approach and again i i know that i've done that on this podcast with regularity as well but it, it's just not I don't know. It, it doesn't sit well with me. I, I just don't think that that's the place to start if you're really interested in helping a person and trying to change their opinion and get them to see that what they're saying is actually rooted in something that is not real. And I think that with any question that a person were to receive, again, from, say, a liberally minded individual, um, you would have to look at that person and you would have to examine their question first and basically say, I think that the premise of your question is completely false. And then you'd, I mean, frankly, you would have to start off with the word lying. You would have to say, this is going to be difficult for you to understand right this second. But you've been lied to. And you're not the only person in the room who has been lied to. In fact, 
if you were if you were really interested, I should say this too. If you were if you're really interested in getting the individual who believes things that aren't real and is either again walking up to the mic and criticizing the person who gave a speech and whatever else. Some of them you can talk to and some of them clearly you can't. The people that are shouting and screaming in these in these speeches and snapping their fingers like they do and uh, you know, chanting obscenities and and whatever you know whatever they're engaging in. Um, you you can't you can't reach those people and you can't reach every person. But getting asking some of the more I, I would say basic questions of, do you like being lied to? You know that that was a question that I would ask my students in my classrooms when I taught school. And I would say it on the first day of school, and it got their attention. And I would say, raise your hand if you enjoy being lied to. No one would raise their hand. I mean, that's a fundamental human trait, I think, that most of us have, is we've all been lied to before. We don't like being lied to. The question is, is does an individual want to know who has been lying to them, why they have been lying to them, and then start to figure out what the person actually believes that led to the lying? I think that's how we end up getting more people on our side of things so that ultimately they themselves can do their own investigations and learn and learn from themselves. Uh, that would be my approach. M- my approach would be more of a let's get this person involved with the right way of thinking as an individual because clearly they haven't been thinking as an individual for the vast majority of their life. They've just been going along and, and, and doing what the mainstream media or the television would have them have them believe or have them say. Again, look at American K-12 schools. Look at, what is, look at what is happening right now. What's happening right now is historic. It's historic. But the people who are brainwashed have no idea. They have no idea that they are actually on the wrong side of history because that's how brainwashed they are. They don't see any of what's going on as being sexually perverse. They don't see any of this, any of this diversity, inclusion, and, and equity, and whatever. All those words and all of that lingo, they don't view any of it as being something completely made up, something that's totally pretend, that came from the mouth of someone else who again sits at some long board table in a high rise as they're all laughing in a group because they know that they can get a group of non-thinkers to just do what they say. Again, they have no idea that they're being used. Just like being lied to. A person who's being lied to is being lied to so that that individual will then do something based on that lie, which also means, again, that the person is being used. So again, you know, you, you would, you would want to ask that question to a person. Do you enjoy being used? And you would have to say it, you know, not sarcastically or in a mean way or I'm going to make you the butt of a joke kind of, kind of thing. You ask it as compassionately as you can. Do you enjoy being used? Who, who would say, yes, I like to be used. I like to be taken advantage of. These are things that I enjoy. I look forward to the next time that I get lied to and manipulated. And yes, that's exactly what makes me feel good. A masochist would say that. But again, this is not, this is deeper. This is a big problem. Um, I fully understand though, because I'm, I'm rambling and repeating myself now, but I fully understand that there are individuals out there that cannot be reached. They just won't. They bump up against their own, their own matrix and their own illusion on a consistent basis, and it's way more comfortable for them to just believe what they want to believe, even though everything that they believe is not real. You can't reach those people. But I think asking some of the most basic fundamental questions and foundational questions, again, like being lied to and being used, a person might actually be more likely to slow down their thinking and actually then just think and spend a little less time focusing on what it is that someone else thinks, but then they're just using it as their own thought. Uh, 
that's kind of my take. With all of that said, though, let me play this because, again, this is an example of an approach that I would not take. Uh, and, and I might also add that there have been numerous examples of individuals who have engaged in these kinds of platforms, again, where they walk up to a microphone, they're a guest at a lecture, and they have a question, and they disagree with the speaker and whatever else. But they'll, you'll actually see them start to change their mind in, in, in front of the microphone as they're asking the question, and they're starting to think a little bit about what it is that they've asked and the, and the response that they're getting back from the speaker. And there have been moments, again, where the individuals engaging in these, in these speeches have sort of helped that person along in their thought process to get them to a point where they're starting to recognize that maybe the thing that they thought was true is, in fact, not true. Now, here's an audio clip from a Charlie Kirk lecture where he has a back and forth with a gal. And frankly, it encompasses everything that I basically just said. He starts off ridiculing her and making fun of her. And then he challenges her, and then she seeks to run away because she's coming face to face with the fact that she's been lied to. Hello. Uh, what would you say to feminists, specifically those I think you would consider biological women who are in support of trans women being able to access historically women's spaces like uh, female bathrooms and uh, being able to participate in women's sports? Okay. What would I say? Um, let me ask. Are, are you one of those feminists? I am. Oh, okay. Lucky guess. Um, so. Yeah, uh, what is a woman? Uh, somebody who identifies as a woman. So can I become a woman? Do you have gender dysphoria? Thankfully, no. <laughs> then, then no. Oh, but So only if you have gender dysphoria, you can identify as a woman? It's a medical condition. It's a medical yes. condition. So anyone at any time can become a woman? Uh, no. Because... Well, anyone could have gender dysphoria. It's, it's, you claim it upon yourself. I, I, you know what, I, I am, I'm actually thinking I'm, I might actually have gender dysphoria. So can I become a Well, woman? I wish you the best in your transition, and I hope that society accepts you. So let me ask you a question. Um, what is cheating? What is cheating? I can pull up dictionary definition. No, like give an example, maybe taking something from somebody or a strong person, you know, maybe using their power against the weak. Sure. Somebody okay. using their power against the weak. Got it. Okay. Is Leah Thomas or William Thomas biologically stronger than the competitors that he, she was against? I don't, I don't, I'm not, uh, I don't know about sp that specific situation. Probably okay. because she is number one. Won the national title. Yes. Okay. Won, well, won after, the title. after the transition, right? Okay. Is that fair? Yes. So the other women against the man were born with less bone density or testosterone levels. What are they supposed to do to make it even? I would not know on that specific situation. Right. So there's nothing they can do because men have more testosterone, muscle mass, and bone density. So wouldn't that be cheating? I feel like I'm being pulled into a trap, and I'm going to step away. Well, no, it's not a trap. No, it's not. I mean, just one sec. I, I, it's a very simple moral question, right? So... If someone is stronger and was born that way, is able to compete against people that are not as strong because they're born that way, wouldn't that be the textbook definition of cheating? I don't know about that one. I'm going to step away. Okay. Thank you. Can I ask you one more question, though? Yes. Okay. So, so you're a feminist, and you, you say anyone who has gender dysphoria can transition to become a woman at any time. That, that's, that's your position? Sure. Okay. Do you think chromosomes have anything to do with determining what a female is? Yes. Okay. So then where does the gender dysphoria come into place? I think that sex and gender are different things. Right. But then what is a woman? Somebody who identifies as a woman. So anyone can be a woman at any single time. You've asked me this question. It's still no. Got it. And you're a feminist? I am. So who are you trying to protect? Still true. What was that? What women are you trying to protect? Women. All women. That you Regard, regardless that you of, of uh, whether or not they've transitioned. Whether or not they've transitioned. Yes. Well, um, I wish you well in the coming situation where now as a feminist, you're going to have to live under the tyranny of men who think they're women. Thank you for being here tonight.
again, the reason that I wanted to play that clip is because he starts off in what I would determine to be a poor way of communicating. I mean, he makes he makes fun of her because of the way that she looks, and she brings up a question about feminism, and then, of course, he says, are you a feminist? And then he says, well, you know, shocking, or whatever the hell he said, because of the way that she looks or the way that she's dressed or whatever. But for her to actually have her own, for, for him to then seek out the way that she really thinks, which is important in a lot of those Q&A sessions, they do it with regularity. The, the speaker will simply ask back a question, and they use the Socratic method to some extent. Um, the individual who believes things that is not real comes face to face with reality, and it frightens them. And it frightened her because, again, she views thinking as being a trap. She said it at least once, probably twice, that she feels like she's being pulled into a trap. And even Charlie Kirk says, no, it's not a trap. But he didn't follow up with the real answer. I mean, the, the real answer is, is he's encouraging her to think. And my whole point is this. In those situations, he should look at her and say, you've been lied to. You're, you're calling yourself a feminist and you based your entire question at the beginning from the perspective of a feminist. What she doesn't understand is, is that feminism was a social movement conducted on purpose by very rich people who wanted to actually destroy women. That was the whole point. It wasn't about protecting women. It wasn't about women's rights. That, that's not what feminism was about. It was a socially constructed movement to destroy women, pull them out of the home, throw them into the work environment so that government can raise their children and corrupt their children. And now, again, by being a quote-unquote feminist, then that is actually what you're supporting. If a person wants to work, great. If a person wants to stay home and raise children, I got to tell you, I know more women that would prefer to stay home and raise children than I know women who would, who, who would say, you know what I want to do? I want to work all the time and not stay at home and raise, raise children. You know, this is, this is an individual again, and I feel bad for her. She, she believes endless lies, endless lies, so much so that, again, she views thinking which is really what was going on there, starting to go on. She was afraid. That's why she said, again, I feel like I'm being pulled into a trap. I'm going to leave now. She's afraid. That's, that's a serious issue. That's a serious problem. That's fear. And you could sort of, again, Charlie's tone changed a little throughout the entire thing. He started off, again, doing something I wouldn't do by making fun of them. And then he cuts right into... Uh, sounding a little more compassionate toward the end because, again, she came face to face with her own lie and her own false premise. That individual is going to have to come to grips with the fact that they have to consistently learn, but more importantly, throughout the course of their life. And they can do it anytime they choose to, but they're going to have to start coming to grips with the fact that they have to unlearn endless things. They have to cease learning what it is that they're currently talking about, and ask themselves a, a very fundamental question, which is, what if I'm wrong? What if the thing that I'm talking about and asking and discussing and the people I'm associating with, what if we are wrong? Again, the word feminism is, is such an easy place to start for us because, again, all a person has to do is really examine all sides of that word and its origin and where it came from and what was going on in America at the time that that word was created, who created it, why did they create it, and so on and so on. But whether or not that individual does that or not, that, that's anybody's guess. But um, yeah, that's kind of my that that's kind of my point on that. I. I find it to be an interesting social phenomenon that occurs. I don't think they have to make fun of them. Uh, I, I think that they can point out the absurdity in in certain things during their speech. But when it comes to the Q&A session, 
I would, um, I would, I mean, I would even do this. I would have even looked at the room when the room started to laugh at her because of her answer or because of his comment to her. I, I wouldn't allow something like that to happen. I would say something like, look, don't, don't laugh. Don't laugh. We're here and we're thinking, and that's the point. And so let's just think. Let's just think this out because I want to help this individual understand that they've been lied to and that they've been misled. Because again, you'd have to bring everybody together in that group, regardless of where they stand on particular issues. And you'd have to look at everybody and say, look, we've all been lied to. We've all been misled. So how about we figure out who it is that's lying to us and why are they lying to us? Let me give you a recent example here of, of where that that group think and that, that inability to think as an individual can completely destroy in an environment and how actually, again, further down that motive and that particular nefarious plot is how all of this is designed to destroy the very institutions that these people and these, these group thinkers actually believe is designed for them to just maintain, when in fact it isn't designed for these environments to be maintained. They are purposefully designed to be destroyed, and they're designed to be destroyed by these individuals who, who again, engage in groupthink. This comes from Breitbart, and it's titled, More Than 400 Yale Students Sign Letter Against Alliance Defending Freedom Appearing on Campus. It says more than 400 Yale Law School students over 60% of the school student body signed an open letter against free speech in a police presence on campus after hysterical woke students shouted down a bipartisan panel about civil liberties featuring the Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF. It says last month, nearly 120 woke Yale Law School students disrupted a bipartisan panel by trying to shout down and intimidate the speakers who later had to be escorted out of the building by police. One of, one of America's best and brightest future Ivy League graduates screeched at the ADF representative saying, quote, I will literally fight you, bitch, unquote. Again, I, I remember seeing that particular audio or that particular video, rather, and thinking to myself again, these are masked students. They're all masked to the bone. They all have signs. They're all standing up at their, at their chairs and desks, and they're shouting at these people. They're shouting at these adults. But what both sides and both groups don't seem to understand is that when the inmates run the asylum, they run the asylum into the ground. But it's the actual adults within the environments that have been supporting this kind of disruption for a very long time. I mean, it's been going on since the 60s, to say the least. Um, you know, b before that, these kinds of disruptions were, were next to unheard of uh, in, in, within these environments. You know, I, me personally, I remember a moment in this particular class that I took in college, and I hated this course. I mean, I just hated it. I was a senior. It was one of those basic uh, graduation requirement courses where it's one course out of a pool of courses. And, you know, I, I could have taken other courses, which I ended up doing. I ended up dropping this class. but it was the, the class was linguistics, and I couldn't stand it. I thought, okay, we're going to learn about the history of language. This will be kind of interesting. And you know, I, I, I sort of I did what anybody would do. You know, at that particular age, I guess I, I read the course description and I thought to myself, well, this is going to be great. The next thing I knew, and this happened almost immediately, there were a group of students in the front of the room who loved to debate the professor, who had no classroom management skills whatsoever couldn't command the room at all. And before you knew it, students were actually getting in arguments about figures of speech. And I remember one student was, was arguing about gerunds and what a gerund is and when to use a gerund and all this other, all this other garbage. And I'm thinking to myself, where am I? Is this the twilight zone? What is going on here? The, the ultimate irony, of course, is that here I was on the verge of graduating with an education degree, I know how to manage a classroom. I know how to instruct a class for the most part. And, and here I am watching a complete cave-in from a professor who, who, who was getting off on it. He was enjoying it. He was enjoying the disruption. He was enjoying the, 
the, the lack of organization. He was enjoying what he would probably call the free speech. Well, they get to express themselves and they get to do whatever. And I'm saying to myself, you're in charge here. You're supposed to be in charge. But again, when the squeaky wheel gets the grease, the entire factory just crumbles to the ground. Uh, and, and that's, again, that's what ha- has happened here at Yale. The exact same thing. Again, it, it shows all their names are listed on this letter, every single name. Um, and they all want to be lawyers, every single one of them. They're, they're all lawyer candidates. And they're all set to graduate in, uh, in a couple of years or this year or whatever. It's just sad. Again, I, I really don't know if you can help those people. I, I don't know if that's I, I don't know if going forward this is something where these individuals are going to actually learn that the way that they were behaving and the things that they were shouting about and the things that they were trying to shout down and keep from happening that that all of that is not good. I know that's not very analytical, but I just I mean I I don't know if they're gonna ever come to grips with the fact that they are a pawn in a very evil game and that they're constantly being manipulated and moved in one direction or another because again common sense is at an all-time low here it's in short supply L- let me give you another example uh th- again this is from this past week and this comes from summit news and again this is bouncing around the interwebs i, t- I tossed it on uh i tossed it on my gab account it's titled school nurse suspended for Facebook post in which she questioned why 11-year-olds were on puberty blockers. A school nurse was suspended for this. The subtitle says, 77-year-old faces dismissal for transphobic thought crime. It says a school nurse in Hartford, Connecticut was suspended over transphobic, quote-unquote, Facebook post in which she questioned why 11-year-olds were on puberty blockers. 77-year-old Kathleen Catterford, who works at Richardson, I'm sorry, Richard J. Kinsella Magnet School, posted in a mom's Facebook group that there's an 11-year-old girl at the school on puberty blockers and 12 other students identifying as non-binary. Uh, it says, quote, investigate the school system curriculum CT is a very socially liberal, gender-confused state, she wrote. As a public school nurse, I have an 11-year-old female student on puberty blockers and a dozen identifying as non-binary, all but two keeping this as a secret from their parents with the help of teachers, SSW, social workers, and school administration. She then added, uh, teachers and SSW are spending 37.5 hours a week influencing our children, not necessarily teaching our children what you think is being taught. Children are introduced to this confusion in kindergarten by the school SW, social worker, who teaches social and emotional regulation and school expectations, she added. Uh, Then says the nurse went on to question why, given the young people's brains aren't even fully developed until their early 20s, are they allowed to take puberty blocker drugs and be put through gender-manipulating surgery? I, I, you know, again, where do you start with something like that? The people allowing this to happen, parents, school officials, school employees, etc., you can't you can't help them you know you 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 can't even have a debate w- with them about anything you can't even ask a question you can't even make a facebook post on your own page questioning something about a reality something that's actually going on in the school building and expect to keep your job let alone get one you know that that's the other insidious nature of not just the K12 environment and higher ed environment but it really brings in and I'm going to lean more this way now uh shifting subjects slightly but people have to start thinking about what these shots are doing to people cognitively again we know that 
It's causing brain damage in people, these shots. And these environments are filled with people who took these shots. So what are we expecting? What are we expecting to have happen? Are we expecting people to think clearer as time goes on? Or are we going to continue to watch these environments just crumble in on themselves because of the behavior and illogical behavior and lack of civility among these individuals because they cannot quite literally think properly anymore? Because their ability to think has been stripped from them as a result of these shots that they've taken. This has to be considered. This has to be one of those things that is a uh, you know, a, a constant button that, that gets pressed where people say, wait a minute, we're talking about working environments and how they're failing. We're talking about low retention within these working environments. We're talking about low productivity. We're talking about uh, low self-esteem, if you want to use that word, uh, you know, less happiness within the, working in, within the work environment, um, more anger, more frustration. Well, why? Why? Yes, it's society, and yes, it's all of the influences, but it's also the very poisons that people are putting in their body because their television tells them to do it or their work environment tells them to do it. And now we're asking again these individuals who have no idea the thing that they've taken, many of them anyway, have no idea that they too have been lied to about all of that, that, uh, th that they're not going to be thinking clearer as time goes forward. That's just, that's not going to happen. I, I think, I think, and it's sad and it's awful and it's going to be very dangerous going forward here, but we're going to see more and more people making irrational decisions within environments that are supposed to be filled with rational professional behavior. And that's not going to be the case. Again, look at all of the sexual perversion, again, that is existing in American K-12 schools. They're flaunting it. They're flaunting it. They're not even hiding it anymore. There was a time when they would hide it, but now they're making their move and they're going, well, this is who I am and this is what I think. And if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. That's, that's illogical. That's completely crazy. All of the videos that are out there, and again, I've tossed a few of them on Gab, but these teachers are being interviewed by uh, mainstream media outlets. And they're saying that they're openly gay and that they want to talk about their relationship with their kindergarten students and they want to talk about their relationships and what they did on the weekends and th this, that, and the other. All of that is completely unprofessional. It has nothing to do with why the person is there. The problem is, and again, this is the untapped resource that is not being discussed. I've brought it up on countless occasions and I'll keep bringing it up. This is the failure of teacher education programs at the university level. When you burn the candle at both ends of education, you're not going to have a wick anymore eventually. That wick will be gone. And it's already gone. Again, look at teacher education programs. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're pumping out. The product that they're pumping out is rotten. They're already brainwashed individuals. They have an innate uh, I, I would say, I don't know if I would use the word ability, but it's, it's an innate feeling that they want to help someone. The problem is, is what they want to help students with is everything from A to Z. And it shouldn't, and it shouldn't be about, well, I want to, I want to have them be more comfortable with their transition and cutting their genitals off, or I, you know, I, I want them to feel more comfortable in being a, a gay first grader. That's not, that's not the point. But there are people who are training to be teachers where that is their, that is, that's at the forefront. That is their motive. That is the very thing that they are interested in. So again, the, the teacher education aspect is one of those avenues. I mean, it's the breeding ground for a lot of this behavior that, we're, that, that we are now seeing. Because again, what you're seeing at the K-12 level among those teachers and those administrators, those individuals are the products of those professors at the university level. And that's not getting better because, again, they're all jabbed. They're all thinking the same way. They're hiring themselves and one another who think exactly like they do. 
while, of course, screaming the words diversity over and over and over again, when in fact, diversity, of course, means if you're straight, if you're masculine, if you're a male and you're white, we don't want you around. Heaven forbid the person actually be good looking. I mean, forget it then. They're not going to hire somebody who's better looking than they are. They can't have that. But then, of course, in the exact same sentence, they talk about how they want to build community and we need to build relationships with students. And that's really the motive. Again, th- these are not thinking environments from a, from a philosophical to a physiological level now. We're talking about the actual physiology of the brain. And, and these brains have now been poisoned at least twice. So, again, what are we expecting to change here? I don't, I don't think any of this is going to get any better. I think the long term for all of this is lower enrollment. Uh, it, it's going to be more dramatic videos and, and audio and irrational behavior from these environments. And uh, that's going to be more commonplace, I think. So, yeah. Anyway, shifting gears again slightly, a little more updated jab news now, because there's been a ton of it. Uh, well, first of all, let me mention this. this is, again, this is a back to the college stuff real quick. H- here's another perfect example of, of how the squeaky wheel will get the grease, but then when it bumps up against the law, it, it ends up in deep trouble. Um, an Ohio bakery here in Ohio at Oberlin College was just awarded the largest defamation lawsuit in the state's history with uh, a $31 million settlement and ruling by a judge. And this happened with uh, Gibson's Candy Ice Cream and Bakery. And basically, a bunch of college students, long story short, got together and started calling them racist and uh, homophobic, and and they just started name-calling the people who owned the business for one reason or another. Not because they did anything wrong or said anything. They just started to name-call and do whatever. Well, you can't do that to a business and then crush a business because you decide to gossip about them and make things up. Um, Oberlin College supported the students who were doing this to this business, and now Oberlin has to pay $31 million. So this is what groupthink gets people. It, it, uh, it gets them in serious legal trouble. And again, when you, when, when you follow people into the flames, you're going to get burned. And they didn't think about any of that. But again, we're not talking about thinking people. So here's the last thing, and again, no real transition, but it, it's jab-related. The Pfizer documents, those court-ordered Pfizer documents are still being released. Over 1,000-plus pages was released again on April 1st, and uh, it's, not, it's not good. I bounced through a few of the documents, and what I concluded just in the few documents that I was looking at uh, some of them are remarkably long. Some of the PDFs are huge, and then some of them are just a couple of pages long. But there were three major points that I, I think that stood out to me. The first, and again, this isn't new for anybody who's been listening to this podcast, certainly not new to me, but interesting nonetheless. Um, there were three revelations that, that stood out, and I, I stuck this up on Gab. The first is that in these documents, Pfizer openly acknowledges that the first shot does not work. They openly state that. The problem is, is that like that other peer-reviewed article that I read last week, they'll even say in their conclusion that they suggest that everybody still take it. So they'll openly admit, yes, the first shot doesn't work and it suppresses your immune system and actually weakens your immune system. And and that seems to be the case with the first shot. But we still recommend that people take it because the the benefits outweigh the risks and and so on and so forth. They continuously say that in these articles uh, and even in their own writing, which is horrible because it's the exact. I mean, the exact opposite is true. But yes, it does suppress your immune system permanently. The second revelation was that they openly admit that the miscarriages are a big problem, and that. Individuals are miscarrying females because females can only get pregnant, but 
females are miscarrying. And they are miscarrying when they take the shots at any stage of their of their pregnancy, even before the pregnancy. They receive the shots. Uh, they couldn't get pregnant. They received the shots. They got pregnant and then lost the child and so on and so forth, all the way to giving birth. And then the child passes away shortly after. And they openly admit, too, that the breastfeeding is remarkably problematic also and is infecting the child that way also. So again, whether the mother is receiving the shot before getting pregnant, while they're pregnant, or even after pregnancy, that the business of miscarrying and uh, and transferring these illnesses and this poison to the child is a very real thing. And that they knew about that. They knowingly knew about all of this. Uh, the third one, which was really the one that stood out to me first and foremost, was that they openly admit that the shedding is real. That individuals who are vaccinated, quote unquote, not a vaccine, but they are around individuals who are not jabbed, that the unjabbed individuals will get sick by being around the jabbed. Again, We've known this for well over a year. Well over a year. I, I, I immediately started to figure this out back in January of, of 2021. Um, the literature was, was, was out there. It existed. The video evidence was out there. The anecdotal, quote unquote, uh, evidence was certainly out there. And you can't, I mean, you could make that up, I guess. But me personally, I've known individuals where that has been the case. They are around jabbed people and they are getting sick, but Pfizer acknowledges it. Even among children, I might add, that jabbed parents who are around their unjabbed children are making their children sick. Again, this is not new to us. It's not new to anybody who's been listening to this podcast now for a couple of years. I mean, it's just the way that it is, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. Because again, even the mainstream media is not touching this with a 10-foot pole. They're not even bringing it up. I did see uh, one, one video clip of an individual, I believe Canadian, a Canadian politician in their, in their parliament session there. And he, he was bringing up the Pfizer documents and the adverse reactions, and people were booing him. There were people, other members of, of the parliament there you know, booing him. I, I, he, he's reading facts from the company on the company letterhead <laughs> on their own. It's on their own paperwork. And, and, and they're being booed? Why? Why would, you, why would you shout that down? It'd be like him reading the cooking directions on the side of a box from a company, and they're, and they're getting booed. And he's going, no, wait a minute. I'm reading the actual directions from the actual company, and he holds up, you know, the box of rice or whatever. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. You, you can't boo the facts like that when they're so blatant. But again, getting back to the very first point I made, we're not talking about thinking people here. We are talking about medically induced cognitive disabilities now among countless individuals. Not to mention the previous brainwashing that has been occurring, but again, we're talking about individuals who are, who are incapable of coming face-to-face -face with the fact that they've been lied to for so long about so many things. And uh, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens going forward. Again, I don't want to end this on like a down note or anything, but I just think that it's going to get more dangerous. I think these environments are going to become more reckless. They're going to, they're going to try to rationalize their own irrational behavior as much as humanly possible. And it's always worth keeping in mind, again, that we're talking about the quote-unquote pillars of our society here. We're talking about the judicial system. Would you really want those future lawyers at Yale Law School representing you in, in some particular case? I mean, they're not going to take up a, a case that a real person has because they don't align with them politically or they don't like the way that they look or the, or the things that they say. No different with judges. Look at uh, Brown Jackson, 
uh, this alleged future fake Supreme Court justice. I mean, more revelations are coming out about her previous cases and leniency having to do with sexual crimes involving toddlers. You know, this is a real thing, but people are burying all of this information as much as they can because, again, they don't want to bring it up. And they know that if they can run these pillars of society, then they can destroy it. What I continue to find interesting that they don't seem to understand, and I've mentioned this on numerous occasions before, but they're destroying their own lines of work. They're destroying them. They are doing the thing that you should not do, which is make more work for yourself. Because they're inviting pretend things into their minds. And that's impacting their decision making. Jabs aside, you know, the, the, the chemically induced cognitive inability aside, which is a real thing too, but all of the social movements and diversity, equity, inclusion, and uh, transsexual this and pansexual that and blah, blah, blah. All of that that they're doing, they are, they're destroying their own professions. They're destroying their own credentials. They're destroying any chance that anybody has of taking these people seriously regarding anything. And what I find, again, very ironic and remarkably funny at the same time is they actually think that that wavelength of thought or lack of thought is going to survive. As I've said before, it's not a survivable skill. It's not a survivable trait or characteristic. It's a failure. It's an absolute failure. It's a characteristic of something that is designed to fail, which again is the hard part for a lot of people, even the innocent and the knowledgeable. We're watching these institutions that we grew up with and trying to strive for completely become perverse and fail and collapse on itself. We just have to continuously bring it up but we have to think about the alternatives and the healthier alternatives. And self-governance is always going to be the healthiest alternative, in my opinion. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.